It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are the Marlins going to fill this center field hole? I'm not sure it's going to be free agency. I think it's going to be trades. And when I look into it, there are a lot of options for center field. We're going to dig into some of them. A lot of them are external options, clearly. But there are some internal options. The numbers will surprise you. We'll dig into everyone today on Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I, of course, am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. This is the Tuesday episode that's being released on a Wednesday because Tuesday things got out of hand watching the football. England are through. USA are through. I think collectively for likely the listener fan base here for this show, many people will be happy. Not certain how many Welsh or Iranians listen to the show, but if you are, uh, commiserations, guys. Good game, good game. But England through, USA through, and uh, I started on the beers a little bit too early and then thought, maybe I'll do the pod tomorrow. So this is Tuesday episode, released on a Wednesday, and as I mentioned on Monday, if you're still following, we're going to start talking about center field trade options. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, there isn't that many. Like There isn't really that many options, and it just my mind keeps going back to the same guys. Mullins, Reynolds, I've been high on Alec Thomas. I was thinking, was there really any others? Actually, there is. There's quite a few options. So this show, this segment, it may end up being a two-part, we'll wait and see how we go. Mainly because there's a bit of news. There's a bit of news to catch up on. And the news broke today, Wednesday, but this is Tuesday episode, remember, uh, that Don Manningly, Donny Baseball, is back in baseball. His hiatus was short-lived. Uh, when he was exiting, I had the sense that he was looking to take another job, was looking to continue working. He has found a landing spot, and what a landing spot for Donny. Bench coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. So he's moved miles away from Miami. He's had enough of the warm climate. He wants He wants some chill in Toronto, but... I think it is an absolutely wonderful landing spot for Don Manningly. So congrats to Don. I think, you know, listening to him when he was particularly on the broadcast at the back end of the year when you know, clearly everyone had, had knew what was happening and listening to Donnie speak, A, he's just amazing to listen to when talking about baseball, but also you could feel that he still wanted to be out there teaching hitting or teaching baseball and you know, that remained his passion. I think when you're the manager, you kind of get away from that because of all the other duties you have uh, as part of that role. But I think kind of coming away from managing and back into more kind of a coaching uh, type role, I think it fits perfectly. So congrats to Don. Uh, obviously, uh, we're going to see we're, we're going to see the Blue Jays uh, next season in, in 2023. I'm not sure if it's in Miami or in Toronto. My, I think it's in Miami from memory in, in maybe July, but I'll have to fact check that one. But Donnie has, has got a landing spot. So congrats to Don. The other thing to call out as well, 
uh, since I recorded maybe Monday's episode. And I know over the weekend on Sunday, I spent a lot of time talking about first base. And I was talking about clearly the premier free agent option uh, now that Tony Rizzo uh, was already signed. You may have already seen Jose Abreu as the premier option anyway. Nevertheless, Jose Abreu signs with the Houston Astros. The Kings get stronger, some would say. They have upgraded, I would say, from Yuli Gurriel to Jose Abreu. A three-year deal in and around the 60 million mark, just under, um, I think, the, the length, the value for me fit what I was thinking with Abreu. But the news that rippled out was that the Marlins were in on Abreu. And the indication there is that maybe they will look to add some payroll. We were, you know, I say we, I, I was in the mindset and listening to everything being said, but then not, not looking really to take the payroll up with free agents. Maybe they were snake bitten last year with uh, Avi Garcia, Jorge Soler, not really working out. But it seems, it seems if they were in on Abreu, and they, they certainly wouldn't have been walking into Jose Abreu saying, hey, how about a one-year six million deal? Like, I'm, conv- I'm convinced they weren't going down that path. They would have known that it would have taken at least 50 million, probably, to get him signed, considering uh, his past performance, his Ironman status, etc. So that's a good sign, guys. That's a good sign. Everything I said on Monday about center field, they're not going to spend. Brandon Nimmo, not a chance they want to pay anyone there. I'm, maybe I was wrong. i tell you what it does. What it does open up, maybe, is, is maybe Cody Bellinger. If they wanted to go down that path, like the kind of annual value that they'd be having to talk about to about with a Abreu, like that's the kind of annual value it's going to take with Cody Bellinger, I would say. I think what we did see out of it, though, is these premium dudes, and this is the point I was making about Bellinger a, a few weeks ago, was when you're in, when it's free agency and you're you're competing against everyone else, the Marlins easily get priced out of it. And that's why trying to make a trade with the Dodgers, if indeed you wanted Ballinger, to get that year of control and that, you know, that, okay, it may have been an inflated fee, but you had it. You had the year of control and Bellinger would have had to have been a Marlin. Didn't matter if they would have um, gone to arbitration and get him signed. Uh, the problem is now Bellinger's out there. If all of a sudden momentum builds, Marlins are priced out, no player. You know, then you then you end up having to scuttle around at the end and, and get, yeah, we're tier, a tier below sometimes. And I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, looking back, like, is that kind of where we got with Avi Garcia, where, you know, there was a bit of a bidding war, maybe. I'm not sure how strong the bidding war was, but in the end, Avi Garcia signs, um, but not sure how strong the interest was elsewhere, and the Marlins end up bidding against themselves. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent already. <laughs> already. So let's get back to center field. Let's talk about some trade options, because... Things don't change. The Marlins still need to upgrade that spot. Or do they? Or do they? That is the question. And this was the interesting bit, right? I went to Fangraphs, and I'm I'm not a stats guy. I'm not amazing with Fangraphs. That is an understatement. Uh, normally, I lean on Sean Barrett and other, uh, other guys that really know their way around that, that website, which is phenomenal, by the way. Anyway, I went to Fangraphs, and I went to uh, s- sorted all stats from last year in 2022, greater than 120 plate appearances at center field and started to play around with the numbers and see, you know, see where things, the see where, you know, the, the action was. Because you, without looking at the numbers, you can forget. And actually, you can overestimate, you can underestimate. So 
There was a couple of things I spotted, firstly, but let's let's talk about it in general. The home run leader, so if we want power, the home run leader at center field specifically um, was Mike Trout with 39, albeit Judge had 32, uh, but clearly he was DHing and playing other positions. So this is just in the set when playing at center field. Trout, Julio Rodriguez, um, and and uh, and Judge bombs away for those boys. Uh, no opportunity to secure those because Judge too much dough and Julio Rodriguez uh, extended for the long term. So then you look at the number four on the list: Brian Reynolds, twenty-four home runs from center field. Byron Buxton uh, in limited amounts of uh, plate appearances, of course. Uh, 19 home runs. Cody Ballinger, number six on the list with 19 home runs. Um, a lot of uh, plate appearances for that. But, you know, when you think about the center field position, I think this is what what kind of highlighted to me is 20 home runs is still a bunch for, for center field, to be honest with you, based on what we see. So we, we're not, we don't have to get one of those guys that's trying to hit 30, 35, 40 home runs and expect that kind of power. So let's take the power down a little bit. So that was interesting for me, firstly. The other interesting bit is when I started to look at batted ball information and batted ball data. Again, I'm Sean Barrett has taught me well. But I sorted everyone then by hard hit percentage. And Judge, I guess rightly so, was top of the list. Adolis Garcia, number two. Number three, Byron Buxton. All these guys hit the ball hard. We know that. Who was fourth on the list with an over 40% hard hit percentage? It's Brian De La Cruz, baby. Brian De La Cruz hits the ball as hard as anyone other than Aaron Judge. Like, it's a massive jump up to Judge. Brian De La Cruz is elite in terms of hard hit percentage. Also, what about, again, this is something that Sean always tells me to look at, line drive percentage. Number one, this shocked me, Brandon Marsh, old trade friend that we didn't trade for, Brandon Marsh. Who's number two on the list with uh, line drive percentage? Brian De La Cruz, 25, almost 26%. Who's third on the list? JJ Blade. <laughs> Blade is third on this list. Um, so a lot of line drives being hit by De La Cruz and Blade. Um, the other thing, too, pull percentage. So what I was thinking about about the shift. Where does Blade? I always think about Blade. He was getting, he was hitting into the shift all the time. Pull percentage last year for him, 52, almost 53%. So day he was a lot of line drives and a lot in uh, pull side. Someone that could benefit quite significantly from the easing of the rules in some ways or the, the tightening of the rules, if that's how you want to look at it, for someone like day that's so pull heavy right now and he's hitting into these shifts, a bit like Lewin Diaz was. So the point I'm trying to make is, you know, with the Marlins maybe thinking, well, we can mix and match this with the guys we've got. Already, maybe maybe they are. Is there a need to go out there and trade right now? Would they be happy with De La Cruz in center, Blade in left, Avi Garcia in right? Could they make that work? I think they still need to upgrade. To be honest with you, we still need that. We still need that center fielder. We do. The, we still need the glove too. So, I I did think it was very interesting that these guys, these names were popping like Blade but particularly Brian De La Cruz. I think as a fan base, we're probably undervaluing Brian De La Cruz in many ways. And it was partly because he had an absolutely scorching return at the back end of the year. But he was like, he was one of the best hitters in the game in you know, when he returned back from AAA. That's what the numbers tell us. And he was. 
And that's the wild thing with De La Cruz is, can he, can he, can he, can he keep that going? If he does, he is right up there, right up there, hits the ball hard, line drives for days. Brian De La Cruz could be an absolute stud. Absolute stud. Reminder how we got Brian De La Cruz, by the way. Yimmy Garcia. Yimmy Garcia for that trade uh, back at the deadline two years ago. Let's talk about our good friends over at Bet Online, and then we can start a deep dive into some of these guys, if indeed the Marlins go for a trade, and I think they could and should. But BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. They've got all the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football, uh, that's NFL, American football to me. Basketball, soccer, that's football to me. The World Cup and eSports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Um, you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, let's get these graphics going. So where are we going to start? Let's sort the hair out first. Sorry to those that aren't watching. Um, I didn't even say that there is a YouTube channel. If you are listening, there is a YouTube channel. I, I completely went off tangent on my on my intro. So apologies. Uh, and also at Miami Marlins underscore UK if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, okay, so let's let's start with the premier trade options and review where we're up to. And in reality, I did a lot of this work last offseason because the, the need is the same and the holes are still the same. And what's happened since? Well, the good news is for the Marlins anyway, is the two names that really pop at the top of the list, Cedric Marlins, Brian Reynolds, the two names that had a ton of buzz last time around. Um, here's the good news. They all, in a, both of those guys, regress slightly. They've all, they all, both of them uh, have one year less of control. So their overall value is down. Their production is down. Uh, the Marlins didn't make that move at their peak. So that's good. So right now, the price tag of these guys, in theory, is better, is cheaper. Let's look at it that way. Um, what do the Orioles need? They need some pitching. What do the Pirates need? Loads. They need loads. The Pirates are miles off. Does that help? I, it, it could and should have helped last time. All news coming out of the Pirates are, right now, they think their, their window is about to open and maybe they're on the cusp. They need a ton of pitching too. Let's be honest. The Pirates... They need some pitching. They're making some move. Like they're going to have a lineup of seven first basemen, seemingly. So Cedric Mullins, where are we up to with him? Um, in in reality, he's still an above average center fielder and was an above average center fielder. It obviously, you know, there was some regression there. He had a thirty home run season in twenty twenty one, which is absolutely insane. Uh, I can't remember how many stolen bases, but I think it was over 30 as well. So I think he went had a 30-30 year at center field. So absolutely insane. An OPS plus of 137. Let's look at this year. Same number of, pretty much, same number of plate appearances and at-bats um, to the number. The power, the home runs dropped to 16. Um, the OPS plus uh, down to 104. So regression there for Mullins. In reality, I think we all thought that was coming. I, I, I didn't think, you know, okay, it popped. Uh, and yes, they made some changes to their ballpark, but I think he just had a scorching year and the Marlins would have been buying extremely high on Marlins. I think he's now come back to the type of guy we'd expect to see. Um, he's entering arbitration uh, for the first year now, I believe. Let me check that uh, as we as we start. Yes. So in effect, three years of control on Marlins. 
A lot of control in a team that is trending in the right direction but needs pitching. The other thing, they do have some guys coming through in the farm that in reality could replace Mullins right now. So for me, that's why it makes it very intriguing where he is now, you know, he's starting to get more expensive for the Orioles. Does that matter? Probably not for them. Like the payroll isn't huge and a big problem anyway. Um, but he is he replaceable and do the do the Orioles maybe need pitching and premier pitching more, more than they need Cedric Mullins at this point? Push them and take them over the top to the next level. Because that, you know, let's be honest, the AL East, it's brutal for them. It is. The NL East is brutal for Marlins, and the AL East equally is is as brutal, um, to be honest. So the Orioles, there's no cupcakes. The one good thing for both the Orioles and the Marlins for next year is that the more balanced schedules can have a big impact. We're going to be playing more games out of the division, which is is a good thing for both of our clubs. Um, gives us a chance to win some more games because some of the other divisions are certainly weaker, no doubt. So where are we up to with Mullins now? For me, still a great fit. Lefty hitter, three years of control, excellent glove, speed. You know, he's... He's pretty much got everything the Marlins are looking for. In reality, you know, in many ways, there's a lot of kind of similarities um, to, to Jazz Chisholm um, in, in, in the kind of the makeup here. Albeit, clearly with Jazz, um, there's been a lot of health issues. With Mullins, this is the other thing, two full years, absolute full years from Mullins, pretty much didn't miss a game. And yes, he has regressed. What is it going to take? It's going to take a pitcher, right? We know that. The Marlins, they only really have pitching to trade from. So... It doesn't really, like going into the return is kind of pointless. But overall, the main theme is Mullins has regressed in terms of his numbers. He's got one year less of control. The Orioles window is is, is definitely opening. And I think they're looking to add pitching immediately. And I do think they've got maybe some in-house resource from a farm perspective that could well replace Mullins um, and and help them to, to, to get that that pitching up there. So what about Reynolds? Where are we up to with him? Because equally, another very interesting guy. He signed a two-year deal at the start of 22, um, but in effect, he's walking into the second part of that and again then has another two years of uh, of arbitration then that would follow that. Uh, he's super two eligible, so um, four years of, in effect, arbitration years. Um, so similar control for, for Reynolds. Um, what are the numbers saying? Well... You know, he had a very similar number of plate appearances at bats again. The home runs were were up. The OPS plus a lot higher than uh the Mullins at one two six. Um, you know, overall, he he's a better hitter. He's a better hitter than Mullins. He's a more consistent bet and a better hitter and a, and a and a and a better power hitter. The question with Reynolds is what is the center field defense like? And I think I mean, this is only going off the what, what I see on Twitter, and mainly Marlins Maniac calling out the fact that he's absolutely disgraceful in center field. Um, is he? I don't know. I don't know. He was fine in 21. Is he Is he disgraceful in 22? Maybe. By all accounts, the numbers are terrible. So I think that's the other interesting bit here is, is Reynolds trending more as a, as a corner guy? Maybe. Maybe he is. Irrespective of that, he absolutely is an upgrade in terms of everything he offers and delivers. Like he is uh, a legitimate hitter. And again, the last few years has shown he can certainly stay healthy. It's been consistent. Uh, last year was 614 plate appearances. Uh, he had a little stint on the IL from memory, 
um, in parts. But listen, Reynolds has been consistent. He's only 27. Um, for me, him and Mullins, it remains a toss-up. I think Reynolds is the better hitter. I think Mullins is likely the better defender. Uh, obviously, um, um, Mullins being uh, the lefty equally is uh, is is certainly valuable. Um, you know, well, he used to be a switch hitter, obviously, but has gone full-time lefty now. So those two are the premier options. Um, let's hit the pause button there. I'm, I'm conscious. I, I did have a few more guys queued up, so we're going to do it in the next episode and keep, you know, have a have a real kind of breezy one on on multiple other names. But for me, those two are the premier options. Both, I think, are you know the multi years of control, the past history, all looks good. The question is, is can the Marlins get a deal done? I think they've acquired on both before. They were priced out of it. I think the price has come down due to performance and uh, the control uh, wavering. Can the Marlins get a deal to send a pitcher? Uh, the other way, a pitcher or two um, to try and get something done. Can it be a minor league pitcher? I don't know. I don't think we need to speculate on the return. I think we all know the drill. The Marlins want to keep hold of their major league studs uh, from a rotation perspective. Can they get deals done with some of their minor league depth pitching? That is the question. There's more guys to dig into. I'm going to dig into it on, well, the next episode, which is going to come on Wednesday. And actually on Wednesday. So this was Tuesday's episode. Thanks for joining me and making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. I'll be back later on today with the second episode on Wednesday. And I look forward to seeing you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.